0: Rise and shine, bitches. Oh, you are listening to PSA Bappy episode four. Thank you guys for tuning in. I had a little stretch there, a little yawn, a little, you know. I just want to welcome y'all to my show. Thanks for tuning in. I have a couple guests on the show later on. We're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, <laughs> bitch, that everybody's been eating. It. I hope y'all got to try it. I hope y'all wasn't one of the ones that, you know, got stuck in traffic or had to, you know, finally get to the, the drive-thru to see a sign, a bootleg-ass printed paper sign talking about, we are out of chicken sandwiches. Bitch, how are you a chicken sandwich spot and you running out of chicken sandwiches? Bitch, Chick-fil-A would never. I
1: know that's right. I know it.
0: But, you know, we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about uh, the NFL deal with Jay-Z, the very controversial deal with Jay-Z and Colin Kaepernick and all of that. Um, So we will get into that. But first, I wanted to talk about Equinox. Oh, Equinox. Equinox is a fucking tight ass gym. I don't know if y'all ever stepped into an Equinox. I've literally done a, uh, what's it called, a tour of Equinox knowing that I didn't have money to be an Equinox member just because I wanted to see the fucking facilities and be like, damn, this is how the rich live. Like, shit. It's kind of like, <laughs> I just wanted to see the locker rooms and shit. I wanted to see all that shit. I wanted to, it's like, you know, you ever go to a fancy restaurant? I always have a thing when, when I go out to eat at restaurants, I always want to, I always have to go to the bathroom. Cause I want to see what their bathroom is like. They they be some. Maybe this is like me, you know, growing up watching HDTV as a kid and shit with my mom. I don't fucking know. I just know like I love, I love. I mean, also my my grandma is. My grandma got the ill fucking decor. My grandma's apartment is fucking tight. You know, she out here living. She got like two. Um, she has two. What do you call them? She has two living rooms. She has two kitchens. Like, you know, every few months or every, you know, other year or whatever, she always switches up the decor. She like re-outfits the couches and gets new cushions and curtains and moves this here and puts that there and gets new things. So I love that shit. I love that decor shit. But anyway, my point is fucking Equinox, bro. Equinox is the fucking shit. Aesthetically, it's amazing. It's a place anybody would want to work out in. It's, you know, open and airy and fancy and shit. Everything just looks like it costs money. Everybody looks rich and beautiful with these beautifully cut bodies and shiny teeth like Chip Skylark. Shiny teeth in me. Shiny teeth, shiny teeth. And, you know, it's just it's fucking amazing. Who the fuck wouldn't want to work out at Equinox? Now, you know, Equinox has faced some backlash recently because billionaire real estate investor and Equinox co-owner Steven Ross had a fundraiser for Donald Trump. Bitch. Did you have to do that shit? So listen, tickets were up to $250,000 each, and Ross ended up raising $12 million toward Trump's re-election. So as a result, everybody's out here talking about, oh, let's boycott Equinox, let's boycott Equinox, and SoulCycle, which is also uh, another company um, owned by the same guy. Equinox put out a statement several times pointing out that he's a minority owner, but actually according to Market Watch, Steven Ross is the majority owner of the related companies which owns Equinox and SoulCycle, and you know, he still profits from the company and many locations are actually housed in buildings that he owns, so Equinox is out here making money and donating to Donald Trump. So, you know, people are out here boycotting and shit, and it's like, oh, why? Why Equinox? Um, You know, like, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, damn, like, I would have always wanted, and listen, I would have, you know, I always dreamed of being rich enough to have an Equinox membership, you know, like, when I make it, when I get there, I could, you know, be out here working out at Equinox and, you know, using their eucalyptus towels and, you know, being in their steam rooms and shit, and, this is why we can't have nice things. Just to be af- just to be clear, you know, I can't afford an Equinox membership anyway right now. I did go one time when a friend of mine. I had like a breakup for a few days, and um, uh, my and my last relationship which was just two years ago, by the way. But I had a little breakup for a few days, and of course, you know, a few days later we ended up, um, you know, fucking and making up. So, but you know, th- that's not how you solve things. Stupid. But anyway, so I had a breakup, and a friend of mine had a guest pass, so we went, you know, to make me feel better and shit. And I hit my workout, and you know, I did my steam room and hit the bat. And that shit, man, that shit was lit. So I always dreamed of having an actual membership for myself, and... You know, just doing my thing and you know having a nice little Equinox body. You know every bad bitch of an Equinox. I want to know right now if you're freaking out. That's another thing. You know, uh, people out here. Um, <laughs> people are out here boycotting Equinox. And you know, it's particularly difficult for the gays. You know, the gays love Equinox. You know, not just because everybody there is hot, but because you know y'all have the steam rooms and this shit. And and if and if you go during off peak hours, you probably get squeezed a little fuck in the steam room as long as you don't get caught. You know, y'all y'all are nasty. Oh, you nasty. Y'all are <laughs> y'all. Are some some type nasty but you know so the gays in particular have been you know uh, really hesitant to quit the equinox but you know according to LGBTQ Nation the chairman um, Harvey Spivak went ahead and tried this sad little PR stunt to, you know, try to keep membership. Uh, they announced that the company is going to donate a million dollars to five charities. But here's the catch. The split is going to be determined by gym members who can only vote to decide how much money each charity gets by checking in at the gym, which essentially means you have to keep your membership to fucking vote. Um, the- <laughs> Oh, that's sad as fuck. First of all, y'all only giving $1 million to charity when, according to DB Hoovers, y'all have a company that pulls in $580 million in annual revenue? I know you lying. What kind of chump changes that? <laughs> y'all here giving niggas nickels and shit. But, like, that's really all you're trying to do? How is that keeping anybody from leaving? Y'all really trying to guilt trip somebody from leaving? That's dumb as hell. I mean, we already know that it's not necessarily the easiest thing to quit an Equinox membership. If you've been there for more than a year, yeah, it's easier now. But if you're still within the first year of your membership, they make it so fucking difficult. To cancel your membership, you basically have to prove that you've relocated uh, over 25 miles from a gym. uh, Or have a doctor's note that says that you can't work out for over six months. Bitch, what the fuck? You mean to tell me, like, if I get surgery and I'm out of pocket for three months, I still can't? quit my fucking Equinox membership? Like, if I move 24 miles away, I can't quit my Equinox membership? Who the fuck is gonna travel 24 fucking miles? Like, these bitches is really fucking scammers. Who the fuck is gonna travel 24 fucking miles to go to the fucking gym? Do I look like an idiot? Bitch, just, to, just for me to get from my crib in the Heights to where I'm recording right now in fucking, in, in, in fucking Brooklyn, it's almost an hour and a half. And that shit ain't nothing but maybe, I don't know, like 11, 12, maybe 14 miles max. 24 fucking miles, what the fuck is that commute gonna look like? Who the fuck has time for that? These niggas is fucking tripping, tripping. But, you know, it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, people are doing the thing, people are canceling Equinox membership, and I'm glad that people are, you know, thinking critically about where they spend their dollars. That's, it's, it's a great thing, it's important. Um, fuck Equinox, fuck SoulCycle. But at the same time, I mean, it calls to mind other instances in which people have boycotted other businesses I'm thinking about Chick-fil-A, you know what I'm saying? It's reported that you know Chick-fil-A is the most profitable fast food chain in the country on a per location basis. Uh, it's been the number one fast food restaurant on the American customer satisfaction index for three years in a row. I wonder why, it's because those motherfuckers go above and beyond and they're a kind of shit. You ain't never met a more kind fast food worker than the niggas that be working at Chick-fil-A. I hear talking about my pleasure. That's why I started saying my pleasure actually working in customer service was because I first heard it at Chick-fil-A and I was like, damn, these bitches is fan. This, this, that shit is nice telling somebody my pleasure. And and she, I took that shit to Apple. Shit, <laughs> like, the fuck? And um, anyway, I think Progress reported in 2017, though, that Chick-fil-A was financing anti-gay groups and donating to them. Uh, groups like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the Salvation Army, and the Paul Anderson and youth Home um, through its foundation. Now, this year, again, Think Progress has reported that Chick-fil-A has donated. They've actually donated it more than $1.8 million to these three groups. Now, that's mad problematic. But I mean, I've known some of this. I've known very vaguely that Chick-fil-A was... I know that Chick-fil-A was Christian. I mean, it's not even open on Sundays. We know this. But I mean, that's never stopped me from eating my fucking Chick-fil-A. I mean, these sandwiches are fucking good. Who the fuck else is making chicken sandwiches that good? Shit, and them sauces? Fuck out of here. Only McDonald's has a better barbecue sauce than Chick-fil-A. And let's not even get into that Polynesian sauce, bitch. That shit is crack. I have a friend, actually, shout out to Frank, who um has a Chick-fil-A down, uh, down the street from his crib, and... He deadass had these extra Chick-fil-A sauces one time and he made a fucking tuna sandwich with that. And I, I think fucking canned tuna is disgusting. But my nigga, if there's ever any time I'm going to eat one, it's going to be with that. It's not going to be with fucking mayo. And you know what? The innovation, on point. That's real innovation and in communication in the arts right there. Fucking make it. <laughs> Shout out to uh, fucking Emerson College. Anyway, um, so listen, boycotting certain brands and companies, it sounds like a great way to be an engaged citizen. But honestly... You realize at a certain point it's all fucked. There was a list of restaurants I was going on on Twitter that, you know, supposedly support Trump as Chick-fil-A does. And uh, the list looks like this. This person said it's Bang, In-N-Out, Chick-fil-A, Taco Bell, McDonald's, <laughs> Wendy's, KFC, Pizza Hut, Olive Garden, <laughs> fucking Olive Garden, Waffle House of all places, Waffle House. Y'all thought Waffle House was ran by niggas. That's just not. That's not. That's not how that goes. But matter of fact, Waffle House always calling the police on niggas for no reason. And y'all, she, y'all can look that shit up. But um, IHOP and Carl's Jr. also now. Chick-fil-A in response, along with Taco Bell, McDonald's, In-N-Out, and IHOP all told Newsweek that they don't make political donations. But a lot of the companies are funding PACs, which are political action committees. They're basically special interest groups that raise money for specific political candidates or parties. And, um, you know, a lot of these companies are funding PACs that are directly helping Trump's re-election or have done so in the past in the last election. So, you know, for example, there's a there's a pack called the Taco Pack and honestly, every time I see the word pack, I want to say pack. That's how, you know, the black jumps out. But um, you know, there's a there's a pack called the Taco Pack and um, you know, it's an organization made up of Taco Bell franchisees and supporters. They've donated over $53,000 to Republicans this year and over $5,000 to Trump's re-election campaign so far, according to Food and Wine. So, you know, while they may not directly be donating to Trump himself. They are indirectly supporting Trump's campaign and, and his re-election because they're putting money in the pockets of those who directly do so, those who are in positions, you know, somewhat in positions of power anyway at these organizations. But it's like, ugh, child, like, if you're going to ban Chick-fil-A, if you're going to boycott Chick-fil-A, are you going to also boycott In-N-Out, Taco Bell, Wendy's, McDonald's? Like, are you going to, you know, it's like, where do you draw the line? I mean, I guess, you know, You can eat at home, but shit, it's like, can you eat out anywhere? Can you eat at a chain restaurant without being fucking problematic? Like, fuck. And it calls to mind the phrase that there is no ethical consumption under late capitalism because it's like, while you may not, you know, put your dollars in this one company or this one brand, you can do it at the next one. But that next one, who's to say that that next one isn't doing the same shit as its opponent? Or who's to say that that next one isn't a sub-brand of the fucking parent company? You know what I'm saying? It's like when you're out here, you're spending your dollars on a regular product and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to be organic to save the planet or whatever. Great. Now you're buying the fucking organic brand, but fucking both brands are owned by the same company. So now not only are you still giving your dollars to that company, you're giving even more dollars to that company because they suckered you into fucking buying the, 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 the good one, the the green one. Oh, green. You're going, we're going green. Fuck out of here. It's, it's a whole fucking trap, man. There is absolutely no ethical consumption in late capitalism. Now, peep, you know, y'all could go ahead and say we're not gonna uh buy Chick-fil-A, but you know what? Let's get our chicken sandwich at fucking Wendy's. Well, guess what? Fucking Nelson Peltz, who's the CEO of and Partners, he's a billionaire investor. He invests in Wendy's. He he owns a 12.4% stake in the restaurant. So yeah, he's not a majority owner, but you know, he and other members of his company and high-level employees, they're very involved with the company and they hold board member positions. And you know, this motherfucker has donated. to Trump's campaign efforts uh, as well as as Trump's victory group PAC. So, you know, it's like if it's not one, it's the other. And this is not just an issue in fast food. This issue is across all companies and all sectors. There's a guy, Peter Thiel, who's a tech billionaire, whose company, Palantir, is paid around $1.5 billion for ISIS surveillance network. Right. This guy, Peter Thiel also donated $250,000 to President Trump's re-election campaign and is his seventh largest donor. Guess what the fuck else this motherfucker has his hands in? This nigga is an investor in Spotify. This nigga is an investor in Lyft. And this nigga invests in Airbnb. So, I mean, if y'all don't want to listen to Spotify, y'all can go to Apple, but then what happens with Apple? Well, fucking Apple is out here making all these billions of dollars in smartphones. And... um. What the fuck do you think smartphones are made out of? Who do you think is out here getting the fucking minerals and shit that are going into the lithium ion batteries that these iPhones have? Fucking children in mines and shit. So, if it's not Spotify, it's Apple. It's it's, it's already fucked. Oh, y'all don't wanna use Lyft? I mean, y'all remember when everybody was boycotting Uber? And everybody's like, fuck Uber, let's do Lyft? Because Uber supports Trump? Well, fuck, look at this. Like, (laughs) this motherfucker's out here investing in Lyft and he supports Trump as well. So, you know, if it's not one, it's the other. It's really all a trap. And matter of fact, this motherfucker is an early funder and a board member at Facebook. Um, And Yahoo's not gonna let go of Facebook. Y'all not. Even if you you don't use Facebook in the way you once did, I mean, Facebook is just too clutch for people to let go. You know, you don't even have to make accounts at all these separate websites and apps anymore. Motherfuckers just be logging through Facebook, logging through Facebook, and that shit is clutch. But yeah, Facebook is too good. Even if you don't want to support Donald Trump or want to support Republicans or any racist intentions, I mean, Facebook is a great fucking tool for a lot of things. It's a great tool for communication uh, with friends or family that you don't have nearby. It's a great tool for political organizing, for, for social justice organizing and communication and disseminating information. It's a great tool. And, you know, even if you do give up Facebook, y'all know, <laughs> I know y'all ain't giving up Instagram which, by the way, is owned by Facebook. I know y'all not going to do that. In the same way, I know Latinos aren't going to give up WhatsApp, which also is owned by Facebook. You telling me I can call Dominican Republic for free as long as I'm on Wi-Fi across platforms? It doesn't have to be an Android versus iPhone situation. I can just make my call. You know all of that shit. All of South America's out here. Everybody's fucking using WhatsApp. You know, so it's really a slippery slope. If it's not one, it's the other. And, you know... Y'all can take that same principle and try to apply it, the very misguided idea of ethical consumption, which is not fucking real, uh, and try to apply it to anything else. Oh, you don't want to shop at this company? Well, let's shop at this other clothing company. Well, guess what? All them fucking sneaker shops are fucking using sweatshops. All your clothes, bitch, you out here buying Fashion Nova. Where do you think that's coming from? That shit is so fucking cheap. To the point where in California, they they'd ship you that shit and there's a fucking warning about how it was produced in a factory in close proximity with lead and how that is a cancer risk for you. Not just a cancer risk, but also there's risk of, of fucking uh, uh, fetal deformation or shit. Like, what the fuck? I deadass went to a GNC and I was gonna get this um, this protein. It was that that ghost brand or whatever. And I was no, it wasn't a protein. It was gonna be a pre workout. And the shit deadass had a label on it talking about how the, the uh, certain ingredients may ca- like this risk of causing um birth defects. I was like, what the fuck? I promptly put that shit back. I don't care if it was a fucking Sonic Cherry flavor or or um. Whatever the fuck, what's that other, the um first they're sour, then they're sweet, that shit, the fucking Sour Patch Kids flavor. Bitch, I put that shit right back on the shelf and I went for another brand that didn't have that fucking label, but here's the hoping that that brand still doesn't have the fucking ingredients. Yikes. But yeah, anyway, the point is, we can boycott Equinox all we want and we should. But at the end of the day, at this point in the game, man, everything is owned by the same few fucking companies. All the dollars are, you know, going to the same fucking racists. Um, And it's very disheartening. And I don't mean to sound, um, you know, what do you call that? I don't mean to sound defeatist. And I don't mean to sound, um, what was that thing? My fucking environmental ethics teacher called me this. Um, back in college when I was studying abroad in the Netherlands, she called me, she called me, I'm trying to remember the fucking word, but basically she was like, you know, you out here sounding like there's no, you out here sounding like there's no use in doing it, like like the world is going to end or whatever. And I'm like, well, bitch, the way shit is, you know, it's, I hate when people are so naive. I'm like, y'all have so much faith that we're going to get together and do something, but all anybody's ever been doing is ignoring it and with a few people talking about it. But at the end of the day, nobody's going to put their fucking dollars toward a solution. Billionaires ain't gonna do it, and we don't have the money to do it. The most we have is, is manpower, people power. But they fucking out organized us, and they're splitting us up into you know having all these you know different ideas and beliefs and shit, and we can't even fucking manage to get it together. <sighs> but I digress. What the fuck was the word that? Can you, th- Tom? Can do you know what word I'm talking about? Some some word that means vaguely. That means like, um, like, uh, like defeatist. Like. Yeah, I'm gonna just search real quick. I'm I'm looking for that fucking word. I need that word. Uh, along those lines. No, but along those lines, it's another one. Uh, let's see, thesaurus. Yeah, it's a long pessimistic, but it's like... Oh! Oh! Yes! That's it! This bitch called me nihilistic because I had the nerve to point out that according to current trends in our consumption that we're just gonna fuck this entire planet up and that was back in what 2014 that I said that and she's out here acting like I'm fucking being nihilistic like I'm being like I'm just like just so like ugh bitch but was, was I fucking wrong? Shit like Nicki Minaj said Can I lie? Can I lie? Can I fucking lie? I don't think so Look at this shit. That was back in 2014, and right now the fucking Amazon is burning and shit. Y'all see the fucking Amazon burning? <laughs> Ooh, child, I love, I love proving people wrong. But yeah, anyway, as it goes right now, we're you know we're losing all these fucking carbon sinks in the in the in the Amazon, and um, I mean, good luck. We we lost the other day. We lost 11 point whatever the fuck. Tons of ice in fucking uh, in ice sheets in Greenland. So you know, just everything's going to shit. And um, people with money, people with uh, the billions of dollars, don't care because they're largely the ones causing it. We're out here burning fossil fuels at fucking unprecedented records. But you know, it's all gonna be fine because a few people are gonna have a lot of money to spend on a planet that won't survive. How cute. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, the fast food giant now has a new Goliath to face in the form of Popeyes with its new spicy chicken sandwich, and it has Chick-fil-A shaking in its boots. Here to discuss with me today, I have Leo Chiquillo, who is the director of audience at a digital media company in L.A., and I have Nyla Luisa, who's a social media manager for everybody's favorite Hollywood showrunner, writer, creator, executive producer, all that. Hi, guys. How you guys doing today?
1: Hi. Good, how
0: are you? Doing all right. Can't complain. So, have you seen all these tweets have you been following this little fast food uh, war between Popeyes and Chick-fil-A regarding this new spicy chicken sandwich?
2: So this is how I, this is actually how I found out about the whole new sandwich that Popeyes had released um I didn't I, you know I hadn't really like seen any ads for anything I don't even know if like it was really like publicized I found out because my team was on Twitter and said, "Hey, did you hear that Popeyes released a new chicken sandwich?" And I said, "What?" So then I logged on, and it was all over Twitter. Uh, It still is. I mean, it's essentially what was going on all of yesterday and through last week.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, for those of you who haven't been following on Twitter, y'all need to get hit. Basically, what happened was Chick-fil-A tweeted... uh, (laughs) They're so sad. They tweeted, bun plus chicken plus pickles equals all the love for the original, throwing shit at Popeye's and their new sandwich. Right? I'm like... (laughs) But it's funny because that one little that one little you know that one little attempt at shade just came became everybody else's downfall. So Popeye's claps back like, Y'all good? <laughs> and then um Wendy's tried to get on, on it and they tweeted, Y'all out here fighting about which of these fools has a second best chicken sandwich, to which Popeyes replied, sounds like somebody just ate one of our biscuits cause y'all looking thirsty, bruh. That shit had I, me dead. I
1: think, I think that's where, first off, I just would like to say before coming. For becoming vegan, I was—I think—in my next life, I'll probably be a Popeye spokesperson. Um, <laughs> I would go and get me a nice little two-piece with two biscuits and fries, religiously, Anthony.
0: Listen, we used to go on some Popeyes runs, and it didn't even matter. And I'm talking to any Popeyes—we could, get, any Popeyes could get it. The ones with the um, with the security at the window and everything, with all the with the whole contraption looking like you're about to. Um... Yeah, there was one... Um, <laughs>
1: around the corner for me off of, like, off of, like, La Brea and Washington or something like that. <laughs> in the hood. It's 24 hours.
0: It's legit. That shit looks and like you're about to go, like, give somebody something to somebody in jail, like, the way, you know, like, with that whole box, I'm that whole glass hood. box.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's everything. But I think that's where Popeye's won. I think at first, when the chicken sandwich first came out, people, like, people were... I saw people talking about it, but it wasn't really anything viral at the time, and then when they clapped back and pretty much also clowned themselves at the same time, right. I feel like that's when shit exploded. But in my opinion, they won it. And then I think, like, even just with people taking pictures and being like, oh, this is actually really legit, it just, Popeye's won in my opinion, so.
2: I think, too, what's really interesting is, um, you know, this essentially was a huge uh, play on their part because, again, they, there was no marketing. They just had people tweet about this for free, you know? They were going out about their own, their own days um, essentially talking about this sandwich. And, and, you know, there was no... I'm saying their marketing, cheaper marketing must be having the best day ever because they're essentially talking about being really happy that the sandwich went viral. And you're right, I think that the fact that they poked fun phone at themselves, right? They, they made that tweet around uh, our biscuits being dried or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> that to me, I was like, all right, that's genius. Whoever approved that, you guys are doing a good job. I
1: I think the thing about it, I think what we also need to acknowledge is the fact that Black Twitter literally yes. drives everything. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, and so I think we have to acknowledge that it's black people really just doing this. And then like other, other people come into the mix and do their thing and kind of put their input, but it's really black Twitter driving every single company's marketing strategy. And I hope that whoever's writing these tweets, you know, using y'all and
0: absolutely
1: all of these, you know, terms that come from black culture. I really hope black people are behind these computer screens, typing these things. I hope it's not white people because that, becomes a little bit
0: problematic. I hope so too. I mean, I'll definitely say I mean, y'all y'all good. Nobody else but us says y'all good. <laughs> like y'all, y'all good bro and it reminds me of I mean a few years ago I had interned at E in a rotation and one of my rotations was a social media internship and so I saw like how tweets would be curated and and scheduled etc cetera, etc cetera. that was at a time when E! News was the standard for kind of entertainment journalism and, and the gossip and all that stuff and Shade Room maybe had like 2 million followers and now I mean Shade Room has far surpassed it and it was really interesting seeing after my time there how shade room has kind of just blown up and how e has tried to keep up with their captions on their ig posts and i just remember very several yeah several many times looking at some of these captions and i'm like bro like this is clearly like a f- you know a f- couple white people just trying so hard to relate to um black youth culture and i'm just like what are y'all doing like y'all didn't even use that right or like y'all didn't use this slang right or that slang right and it's it's definitely a huge point to note that it's definitely black twitter that runs all these all these marketing campaigns when it comes to social media Everybody wanted to get onto this action. Shake Shack tweeted, uh, if you're looking for a chicken sandwich without the beef, winky face, you know where to find us. And someone dead ass hit him back saying something along the lines of, shut up, y'all sandwich costs $104. <laughs> Which like, I'm like, bruh, Shake Shack, Shake Shack is. I love Shake Shack, but them shits is expensive. The fuck? You dead yeah. ass get one burger and satin fries. Up this, satin
1: up. this is a, th- I think this is a great learning lesson for people who are listening when it comes to allyship and knowing your place. <laughs> Learning once to just shut up
0: and learning when to, you know, come
1: to the forefront and take a stand. You should have
0: just sat there and ate Why? your food. Yes. Um keep a, it mute or keep it mute. Right, right. A bunch of other people, um, again like black Twitter driving this whole thing, a bunch of other people commented, DC of the Bodega Boys went in on it and he said, It's kinda wild how out of nowhere our whole economy is now based on uh, spicy chicken sandwiches. Um Roy Wood Jr. said, stay out of this Wendy's before Popeyes mess around and start selling frosties too. So oh, I love that one. Listen, <laughs> I was <laughs> dying. And so it's just it's really crazy. So now you guys are in charge of digital content that reaches and resonates with thousands and thousands of people daily. What do you make of all of all of this? This whole entire exchange.
1: I mean I think it I think it just comes down to I mean, I think when people ask me that question, like what does well and what doesn't do well? I mean I think the answer is really simple. What Seems natural, what's organic, what's honest. If you're trying to sugarcoat shit and like be something that you're not, then people are going to catch that. I mean, tone and language is everything, it's communication, it's how you communicate with your audience and like who you are as a brand. And so, I think you know, Popeyes, I mean, I think they did a a very smart job and they took it and ran with it and they knew what they were doing and, and they played into it, but it wasn't from a standpoint where it was like, this doesn't seem natural. Like, you know, I mean, I think... Also, you have to take a look at, like, the history of all of these chains and, like, their Twitter feeds. I mean, a lot of the time, Wendy's is clap-backing at people all the time. Wendy's be clap-back queen. Yeah, so it's not like... This isn't out of... this This isn't out of the ordinary. It just so happens that they're clapping back at other chains that are in competition with them. And so... I mean, yeah, I just think it it goes back to just being honest and being true to who you are and what your brand is. And also, like, not being afraid to kind of, like, change up your brand. You know, if you see something is kind of going viral that you're a part of, not taking a step back and being like, well, I'm going to be silent because this isn't this isn't what we do. No, it's being able to change it up and seeing what happens when you do engage with a new audience.
0: Gotcha. Now, people are bringing up that the new you know, Popeye spicy chicken sandwich is a chicken sandwich less the homophobia of Chick-fil-A and it's available on Sundays. What does all of this mean in a time when people subscribe to the idea, uh, the very misguided idea of ethical consumption? I
2: think um, I think that's really good. I think one thing that is shown is that people, you know, people have always cared around purchase intent, but I think now it's really hitting, right? It just happened with, you know, Equinox and Soul Psycho and sort of, you know, the fiasco there. I think people are really... You know, to the better of the consumer, doing a lot of research on what is what does the brand represent. Um, to me personally, at least, that that really matters. It tells me that people are really looking deep into who is, you know, who are the investors. What is a, where do, where does a brand stand for communities and when hasn't it? Uh, which you know, I think I'll say like even five years ago that wasn't really happening. I mean, I think in pockets of communities it was it was happening, but I think to see it in a larger scale, to see it in sort of a more mass general audience um, uh, way, it's really actually great. Um, So so that sort of mass purchasing, mass intent uh, driven decision is really driving the force now. Uh, And again, I think it's beautiful actually.
0: So yeah, now I was just talking about um, ethical consumption and, and there's a saying that there's no ethical consumption in late capitalism. Because it's like you will maybe not purchase from one brand, but you'll purchase from another. And at the end of the day, their competitors just as worse or those two brands are owned by the same company. At the end of the day, the dollars go to the same place. So it's like at what point do you I was I was asking this earlier. At what point do you say, yikes, like I can't stay away from everything uh, or I can't boycott everything because it's all kind of it's all shit. It's all gone to shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, when they come out with a fire-ass chicken
2: sandwich, that's... <laughs> up in the hair. And I think, I think it's hard, you know, back to even my earlier point, which is you're right, like, as you do more research, you do learn, you're like, wow, these organizations actually have the same investors at time, or they actually support the same causes. Um, this will sound really preachy, but I think this is where we go back to the importance of supporting small business. You know, when you think about these really small businesses that aren't, don't have sort of large funding behind, them, you know, they're making the chicken sandwiches, they're making the, the food, right? They're doing whatever it might be uh, that maybe isn't gaining the social media attention, maybe isn't getting the sort of um, clout, let's say, quote unquote. But I think it's important to think about how do I as a consumer then use my capital to fund smaller business that actually really does need that help um, most of the time, if not all the time, really.
0: Got it. Now, let's talk about the actual sandwich. Cause that sandwich, bitch. Have you all tried that? I know. Did you try it? Bitch, I had that shit yesterday. Let me tell you. My mom, listen. My mom came from Boston. I had to drive her to the airport yesterday because she's um she's flying out. But she cooked before, and I didn't eat her food yet. Ooh. I <laughs> I was like, mommy, I love you. Yet. <laughs> I was like, I love you. I'm gonna have this later, but I gotta try this new Popeye spicy chicken sandwich, bitch. Let me tell you. I, <laughs> so I went, I went to the restaurant, and I ordered it, and. I'm there waiting for it, and I'm waiting for it, and they're like, oh, you know, it's going to be just a few minutes, they're cooking it, and I actually did wait a few minutes, but you know what, I wasn't even mad, because at least the shit was fresh, you know, it's not just resting there, you know, not really, you know, collecting flies or some shit, I don't fucking know, so I get this, you know, I finally get the sandwich, I'm in the car, I, I unwrap it, and it's, first of all, it's pretty fucking big, like, it's not, it's not huge, but it's not like Chick Fil A size. Chick Fil A, you know what I'm saying? You, I've eaten two Chick Fil A sandwiches and then been full, like versus one little, you know, one little. It's a little sandwich, of Chick Fil A that they got, and I love Chick Fil A. Lord knows I love Chick Fil A. I haven't, I haven't been one of the motherfuckers kind Chick Fil A, but shit, I mean, bro, like Chick Fil A's fucking good. But this, this, this Popeye sandwich is pretty big. So I'm here, and I'm a type, I'm a type of nigga that I eat, I eat it with, um, with sauces. I love Chick Fil A for their sauces. They have the barbecue, the Polynesian, all the honey mustard, all of that, right? I never eat my sandwich without dipping it into the sauce. When I tell you, I scarfed down this fucking Popeye spicy chicken sandwich without even opening the sauce. I didn't even open my box of fries. The box of fries was still intact. It was that good. I was I was surprised. I was like, what the fuck? So I'm over here. I'm eating it, and the steam. Right, I took a fucking video of the steam that was rising from it. It was really good, and it was juicy. The thing is, the chicken breast itself, it was juicy and it was tender, but the outside was crispy as fuck. At Chick Fil A, you don't get that much crisp. You, you don't. And it was on a brioche bun, and it had some, like, special sauce. I don't know what the fuck that little special sauce was, but that shit was crack. Sensational. I was, like, I was really pleasantly surprised. And I'm like, well, shit, I just might dump Chick-fil-A.
2: I tried the sandwich as well. I agree. I think... I think... I was I'll say this. I think what was good about this sandwich was that it lived up to the hype. You know, sometimes you see things yeah. on Twitter and then you go and you're like, what is this? This is nothing like what I thought. You know, like if you see things on Instagram, you might see like this food that you really want to try. And then you get to the spot and you're like, well, wow, this isn't really that good. I mean, it looked good on Instagram, but it doesn't look that good now that I'm tasting it or it doesn't taste that good that I'm tasting it. This sandwich lives up to the, to the hype. I, I will say that. And it, you're right, it's huge. It's massive. I, I, I don't even understand. I, I think it's literally, they took a pound of that chicken that they have and just put it in the butt.
0: <laughs> I Yesterday, I had posted I'm this.
1: hasn't made a video about it
0: yet. <laughs> I'm dead. I was surprised. I um I had posted it yesterday on my IG, and then Leo hit me up off it. That's how this all got kind of put together. Um, but he hit me up with a picture of a bunch of them that he had bought for his team. What did your team think?
2: Yeah, so we so we got about 10 of these sandwiches. Fuck. Um, I know. And, and the funny thing is that, so, you know, again, once we found out this was happening, trending, I was like, guys, we need to get these sandwiches here ASAP. So put an order in. Before we actually went to get them, we called because we saw a tweet that said places were, were running out. It was like, no sandwiches available, et cetera. So I, got, I, I was like, guys, you, you know, we need to call before. Called the Hollywood one, said, you know what? Come through. They do have them. When got the bag, about eight. We did half spicy and half regular. So they have a spicy version, which has a spicy mayo, and they have a regular version. Uh, both come with pickles, brioche bun, et cetera. Got some fries as well. The fries, we didn't eat the fries, let's say, because the sandwiches were so big that everyone ate all of them. Uh, you know, there were no, there was not a sandwich left behind. And the verdict for the most part was that everyone really enjoyed them. I will say this. About an hour in, Uh-oh. I did a check in. I said, hey, how is everyone feeling? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The morale was not so good an hour later. <laughs> you know? <laughs> an hour later, people were kind of, you know, people were freaking were the sandwich. I think that, you know, it's just so big and it's it's a it's a little greasier than the Chick Fil A version, which I will also admit I have had many times um, as well, um, relentlessly. But 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 an hour and we were we were regretting
0: the mm, enjoyment. I don't know. It had. sounds to me like y'all are a bunch of wimps. <laughs> y'all can't handle y'all Popeyes.
2: No, we might have been, you know. I, you know, I did get some comments like, "Oh, this one's greasy," or "This is greasy." I said, "What's well, It's, pop. it's pop,
0: right? Yeah. I'm like, you gotta know, <laughs> right? What do you, what you think so, is gonna?
2: <laughs> so about an hour, and we felt it for sure. But I, but I'm a huge fan, and I, and I, and I will say I'm happy that this sandwich exists on Sundays. So I feel like I always want some kind of fried food on Sundays, mm-hmm,
0: especially after a Saturday night. Okay.
2: It's, it, exactly, and I'm happy that this is a, an option. Also. It's a little cheaper, I think, than the than the Chick Fil A one. I, I think. I think this one's maybe a $1 dollar cheaper. Don't call me on that. But I remember maybe I asked. I was like, "How much was it?" And I think it was this one's three ninety nine. I think the the Chick Fil A one is like four something. But again, yeah, don't call me on that. I, I I felt like it was a little cheaper, which also made me made me question. I said, "Where does this chicken come from?" That was not the right question to ask. <laughs>
0: <either>. <laughs> I can't. Honestly, I had this. I was mad because, OK, so at Apple, I used to work at Apple and they have this net promoter system by which like customers rate their interactions with us. Like in your receipt, you there's a little survey, whatever. And if you get an eight, uh, a nine, an eight doesn't even count. If you get a nine or a ten, um, they're seen as the customer seen as a promoter. Like they really loved their experience with you and they're probably going to talk to other people about it. That's what that's what makes uh, one a promoter. And I felt like I was over here like I'm a whole fucking Popeyes promoter. Like, I was just out here just evangelizing to everybody in the mother about mother, motherfucking chicken sandwich. Like, for what, though? Like, I'm over here to my sister, my mom, everybody. I'm like, you gotta have this sandwich. I put up on my story. Mad people started DMing me. And I'm like, I had to start telling them, I'm like, y'all gonna have to listen to episode four. Because I'm not just gonna give this to you for free. I'm not. I felt like, you know who I felt like? You ever seen the episode of Spongebob when they had the jellyfish sandwich? That jellyfish burger? Fucking um, Fred, Fred the Fish.
2: Man, you got to try this sandwich. It's no ordinary
0: Hold on, hold on. It's the
3: sandwich in the sea. A- Thank you.
0: That is deadass how I felt telling everybody about this motherfucking sandwich like them niggas was paying me. I need a I need a cup of check.
2: Well you know what's funny is when I, when I saw your story, because that's how this started I DM'd you and I was like, hey, but I knew you had the sandwich based on the background of, like, you you, you, you didn't say it was a Popeye you didn't say anything. I saw a bag, and I saw the orange, and I was like, I know what's in that bag. <laughs>
0: that's, that's crazy. I anyway. <laughs> Man, that's the power of social media marketing. That's crazy. I want to thank you guys for appearing with me on the show today. You guys are my very first guests. I really do thank you. Um, and I'm I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I really appreciate you guys coming on and being the first to, you know, back me in this way. Thank you guys so much. For your expertise no as well. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 Something else that I wanted to discuss while we're on the topic of ethical consumption and where we place our dollars is the recent NFL deal that Jay Z signed. So, as you guys know, NFL has signed a deal with billionaire mogul Jay Z and its entertainment and sports company Rock Nation. According to the New York Times, the deal with Rock Nation, the rappers' entertainment and sports company, calls for the firm to be the NFL's live music entertainment strategist. In that role, Rock Nation and Jay Z will consult on entertainment, including the Super Bowl halftime show, and contribute to the league's activism campaign, Inspire Change. The NFL is keen to portray the deal as a way to bring more high-profile entertainers to its events. It also represents an effort to quiet the long-running controversy over its handling of players kneeling or sitting during the national anthem, most notably involving Colin Kaepernick, the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback, and to form a bond with one of its most influential critics. Here with me today to discuss, I have Khalil Keys, who's a senior manager in partnership development at a global sports and entertainment firm. Khalil, how's it going?
4: Doing well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on today.
0: Appreciate it. No, thanks for participating. So, Khalil, in explaining this move, Jay-Z has said, I think we forget that Colin's whole thing was to bring attention to social injustice. In that case, this is a success. This is the next thing because it's two parts of this protest. He also added that we have moved past kneeling. Now Jamela Hill at The Atlantic notes that this is the same Jay-Z who showed support for Kaepernick by wearing his jersey on Saturday Night Live and uh, who rapped also on Ape Shit. Once I said no to the Super Bowl. You need me. I don't need you. Every night we in the end zone. Tell the NFL we in stadiums too. So. What do you make? What are your thoughts on this partnership between Jay-Z and the NFL?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, obviously something that's driven a lot of controversy, a lot of conversation, just given the fact of his influence throughout hip-hop culture and the NFL's seemingly disparate disconnect uh, with hip-hop culture and the black community um, in light of some of the events like Colin Kaepernick. So I think from my perspective, as a little bit of background, I work in the industry uh, in corporate partnerships. And one of the initial reasons I decided to work in this industry is for the ability to bring people together um, and to start to make a change around some of the pressing issues that we're seeing happening in our community, um, specifically tied to social justice. And one of the things that I found is a lot of times, it's difficult to make change without resources, uh, without advocates internally that are representative of the people who are, in this case, playing the sport, but with also, with also without funding uh, to help support some of the programs that are going to make a difference. So there's a lot of layers. I think you know would be happy to have a, an ongoing dialogue, but at, at a high level, I think it's beneficial that uh, Jay Z is using his influence to to make a difference here.
0: So Jamela Hill says that now that the NFL has Jay-Z's blessing, it's conceivable that some of the entertainers who last year didn't want to participate in the halftime show, like Rihanna or Cardi B, uh, that some of those entertainers who distance themselves from the NFL might change their mind. Jay-Z has given the NFL exactly what it wanted, guilt-free access to black audiences, culture, entertainers, and influencers. What's your response to that?
4: To the idea of athletes and entertainers now being more willing to perform given Jay-Z's affiliation? Well,
0: to the idea that it's now guilt-free access to black audiences and culture, et cetera, et cetera. Now that, yes, that Jay-Z's aligned himself with the company, with the brand.
4: I wouldn't necessarily say it's guilt-free access because I think people's beliefs around the NFL are very strong held. um, And there's certainly a business component to it. What I think this will enable to happen is to facilitate a dialogue around what the issues are before simply aligning to do a Super Bowl performance. I think similar to Jay-Z signing on, many of the athletes and entertainers, excuse me, performers who would want to have any affiliation with the NFL would probably want to have a conversation around social justice, around what Inspire Change is going to do or pledges to do, and upholding some of uh, those promises before being affiliated in any capacity. So I think that it, it, it's helpful to move the needle in that direction um, but I anticipate artists still pushing back, even with Jay-Z's blessing and support of the NFL, um, but probably being more willing to have a conversation, knowing that there is representation. Inside.
0: Now, that reminds me of a criticism that journalist Clay Kane had when he went on NBC. He made the point that whenever black issues come up, the NFL goes to a celebrity, whereas if it's an issue with the gays, uh, as there was in the past, you know they reached out to GLAAD and other gay organizations. I'm going to just play the clip for a moment.
3: For me, it's less about Jay-Z, believe it or not, and it's more about Roger Goodell and the NFL, and I'll tell you why. Whenever black issues come about, they always go to a celebrity. Mm-hmm. When there was the controversy in 2012, 2013 over homophobia in the NFL, and we had to change the culture in the NFL, they didn't reach out to Neil Patrick Harris. They didn't reach out to Rosie O'Donnell. They reached out to Glad, and Glad came down there and they had a conversation and changed policy. We have to change the culture. Roger Goodell in the NFL didn't think to reach out to Color of Change, reach out to the a- a- NAACP. When there's an issue in the Jewish community, you don't call Barbara Streisand, right? You reach out to the ADL. So it's it's that narrative that it, it really infantilizes black folks and says, oh, yeah, so we'll reach out to a celebrity. We'll have uh, Kanye and Steve Harvey come yeah. talk at, at you know Trump Tower as if they're the expert on blackness. They're comedians or, or entertainers. It really but- frustrates.
0: Now, do you think that uh, Rock Nation is the appropriate organization for the NFL to have reached out to and made a partnership with in light of the issues of perception that it has within the black community?
4: Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I think it's a it's a really salient point. I think it's important to look at what the proclaimed interest in aligning on the partnership was from both parties. Um, When you had read about that, the first piece that's talked about is speaking about entertainment performances, which is what Rock Nation has focused on specifically, with the ability to support Inspire Change in some capacity. So that was the understated line. I think if it were the primary objective, which you can make a strong argument that it should have been around social justice, having support from different organizations certainly would have helped. But I think it's important to note that Inspire Change really came at the demand of players to start to invest resources, capital, alignment, influence towards issues specific to social justice. So I think that there's a major entertainment-specific component of this partnership that is really driving the conversation and that the, the social change component is secondary with this specific relationship. So I do believe it probably would be necessary to have additional conversations partnerships, dialogues around the issues uh, pertinent to that, to the point of the the interview.
0: There are many people that draw parallels between the NFL and plantations and plantation owners, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily far-fetched to view sports leagues run as such. You know, roughly three-quarters of the league is black. Yes, players are out here making millions of dollars, but compared to the revenue and the profits being made by team owners and the league, it's pretty much chump change. they are players that are being bought and sold and traded like property, basically, and you know, they're out here putting in the work, putting in blood, sweat, and tears, and you know, they're out here performing for Massa at the expense of their bodies and their brains, which that's a whole under the topic, the, you know, the issue of head injuries and concussions in the league and, you know, who cares and who doesn't. But, you know, and it's not just the NFL, the NBA is similar. I feel like every every time I I see, every year when we see the draft and we see the buses stop and all those young black men getting off the bus in a single file line in those fancy suits and those shiny shoes ready to get drafted, I'm like, fuck, this is an ugly parallel. You know, it's like, I feel like they out here stepping off the slave ship ready to be sold to the highest bidder. It's kind of wild to me. But in light of these issues of perception, it's interesting to come up with this partnership. Roger Goodell go, goes ahead and says, we don't want people to come in and necessarily agree with us. We want people to come in and, and tell us what we can do better. But what better to do than not blackball a player because he has an issue with extrajudicial murders of black people at the hands of police? Like. Like, essentially, I mean, Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed by all teams. You know, other people say, hey, he, maybe, he, you know, he's not a good enough player, but there are plenty of players whose stats are worse than his, and there are plenty of players who were even in the league, or who were in the league afterwards, who had many other issues, including, like, domestic violence. Ray Rice beat the shit out of his wife and dragged her in an elevator, and he, initially he was only suspended for two games. Ruben Foster was arrested for assault in 2016, and then twice again in February 2018 for domestic violence and gun charges, and, and he was still out here, so... How genuine does it seem that uh, the NFL is suddenly talking about social justice when it seems like they've tried to silence the very person who started these conversations to begin with?
4: Yeah, I think um, a couple points brought up here. And there's one that's most salient to me that I want to address first and foremost. And this is just the idea of professional sports culture, really not honoring and dignifying Uh, the fact that there's a large representation of African-Americans and people of color who don't get health resources and and ability to extend careers and have opportunities outside of the sport. And I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, there certainly, certainly should be a responsibility of the respective leagues to provide those types of resources and outlets and access for these players, to provide a voice outside of being an athlete. Uh, to speak about some of the things that are, are salient and happening in the communities. And I think um, you would reference the NBA. I think that there's been probably best practices um, in that league in doing that and creating a, a platform for them to speak out against some of the things that are happening to utilize their likeness um, to influence change. And so I, I certainly think that there's room for continued improvement with the NFL uh, in that space. I think uh Having more of a say in what's happening and giving players those those resources is is certainly something that has distanced the league from the players to a large extent. So I believe this, this could be perceived as a step in the right direction, but there's a lot more that needs to be done.
0: I definitely say that players do need a, a say. They do need to have respected their... Um, their ability to, to protest on the field. I think a lot of people don't even really know or understand that the NFL National Anthem is military propaganda. It really didn't start until a few years ago. Uh, according to CBS News, NFL players have only been on the field for the anthem on a regular basis since 2009. That's only 10 years ago. So not even like, you know, not even after 9-11 did that begin. That started only 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, at the time, sports leagues were paid millions of dollars by the U.S. Department of Defense to honor members of the military during the playing of the Star Spangled Banner without informing the public that they actually were watching a paid promotion, paid programming. And it was uh, there was a report released in 2015 by the late John McCain and, and another Arizona Republican senator by uh, the name of Jeff Flake that found that the Pentagon spent $6.8 million on sports marketing contracts with the NFL, MLB, the NHL, and even MLS. So, you know, it's crazy to me that There's such an issue taken with someone exercising their right to protest and that this man still doesn't have a job at this point. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, we have to wait to see what Jay-Z does. We have to wait. Like, you know, you know, there are we don't know any enough details yet. This is way above our tax bracket, which I think is bullshit. I think everybody, regardless of tax bracket, should have the right to say whatever the hell they need to say, uh, uh, you know, given the facts. But uh, the problem is we don't know what really this deal entails. And uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, then all of a sudden reports came out that Jay-Z would be an owner of a team. So everybody was, you know, jumping up and saying, you know, Vic Mensa and Cardi B saying, hey, you see, like, maybe he's going to hire Kaepernick as a quarterback. See, we knew it. Like, I have faith in him. But at the end of the day, I mean... Actually, reports just came out that uh, that's actually not part of a deal, that he's not going to have any ownership in a team, which is interesting because it's like, well, why would anybody ever have thought that uh, these these, you know, these slave owners would ever let a nigga come up and be amongst them in their ranks? But there, there's definitely been a lot of conversation and a lot of opposition Um as well as a lot of support. Freddie Gibbs, uh, rapper Freddie Gibbs came out and basically said, fuck Kaepernick. And one thing I'm trying to understand is a lot of people are upset at Kaepernick for what it seems like. It seems like a lot of people are upset at Kaepernick for having settled. Like they're trying to say uh, that his points and his protests no longer have a purpose because he settled the collusion case with the NFL. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I think that there was a lot of effectiveness in having conversations surrounding race surrounding some of the disconnects in our society. I think a lot of people have used sports as an escape to some of the realities in our society. And I think Colin Kaepernick helped really bring together one of the only opportunities from people from really disparate backgrounds together to address what's happening um, in a very topical way in a way that can now lead to action and change. No one was discussing race relations in the NFL, despite the fact that you would look at you know, 70% of players being black, a majority of owners being white, there being no opportunity to speak out about health issues, about continued resources for education and career opportunities outside of the sport that existed. And now we're starting to have that dialogue in that space and across other sports, and people are holding people to a higher standard. So. I think that it was really effective for him to be able to, to start a dialogue, even though to many, they wanted to continue to use sports in the NFL specifically as an escape from the realities that may exist. And you're only so insofar as that your body is going to produce revenue for my team, for the organization. Um, and I think we're getting beyond that. And so I don't remember what your specific question was. Um, but I do push back on the people who criticize him because I think that he helped really spearhead a movement to where now the NFL is being held accountable. And professional sports as a whole are being held to a higher standard.
0: Um, and it's it's a small step in the right direction. I'm, I mean, I'm here trying to understand why anybody's upset at Kaepernick because they perceive him to have given up um, by settling. but. They're not mad at the entity that forced his hand to begin with. First of all, it takes two to settle. So if Colin Kaepernick settled, it's because the NFL agreed to it as well. And I feel like, I mean, this, this entity is out here forcing his hand. This is the same entity that has crushed his dreams, that, you know, sought to silence and humiliate him. And by extension, you know, silence and, and humiliate us. By, by extension, the NFL, in trying to silence these protests, is, is not just showing that, you know, Colin Kaepernick doesn't or shouldn't have a voice, but that we shouldn't either in protesting racial injustice in this country from police brutality to mass incarceration. Former NFL player Marcellus Wiley went on his show yesterday, FS1 uh, show, Speak for Yourself. And he said that Colin Kaepernick comes from a situation where he never felt the full weight of these injustices because this is a mixed race guy who was raised by a white family from Wisconsin to Central California. He also dismisses Kaepernick's girlfriend, Nessa, who has been very outspoken about all of this, saying that she's not black. What's your take on this? I mean, I think it's kind of crazy because from the jump, first of all, no matter how light Kaepernick is, and no matter if Kaepernick's mis- mi- mixed or not, uh, he's still black. And, I mean, my guy, Nessa is Egyptian. Like, do we need to point on a map for you where the fuck Egypt is? Because you're tripping. Like, yeah, Yo, Wally, you really gonna act like that's not a, wh- a black woman? Like, this isn't affect her either? Stupid! So, you know, and from the jump, Cap said himself that this, you know, time and time again he said it, he's not doing this for himself, but he's doing it for others who don't have a platform. This stand wasn't for me. This is because I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice. In saying that, that he's never felt the full weight of these injustices, is the injustice not proven by his inability to get and keep a job over players who are less skilled than him or over, over other players who are actual criminals, who are domestic abusers? Yeah,
4: I mean, I think I think his ability to speak, I think, first and foremost. Uh, oftentimes, Black men do not have a platform and a stage to speak about what's happening. So he ultimately was a representative of many of us who don't have that platform or aren't in an influential position, who don't have the media channels and access. I think that the the claim that he isn't qualified to be having that conversation is ludicrous because, as you mentioned, the experiences of Black men in America, despite your complexion, despite your upbringing and background, is all-encompassing in many ways, in the ways in which you're perceived and some of the injustices that exist. So, you know, I believe that he certainly was an advocate in and a and, voice and made many sacrifices for all of us, in which he's in many ways still feeling some of the effects of that, right? To your point, not having the employment. Now, you can make the conversation around uh, the Nike deal that he was able to do and getting not national broadcast affiliation. So, ultimately, brands media conglomerates are trying to align with him because there is a shifting tide around people wanting to support these issues but there's a long history of um you know african-american men in the sports realm be it the likes of muhammad ali using that stage as an ability to talk about the injustices that are happening and i think often from my perspective i feel to whom much is given much is required Um, And I think it ultimately inspired me to figure out how I can use my voice and platform within my stage in the same industry, uh, even though it's in a different specific field, to start to talk about these changes and making a difference. So I I, I certainly commend him for doing it. I think he's 100 percent qualified to be
0: having that conversation and leading the movement. Now, it's it's almost as if he sacrificed his career so that, you know, you know like when, when people joke saying, hey, so-and-so walked so we can run, it feels a lot like that's what he did. But it's sad because it doesn't have to be that way. And so can we really call the NFL's new social justice initiatives inspire change? Can we really call that genuine when Kaepernick still doesn't have a job?
4: Can we call it genuine? I think it was that came to being at the result of players sitting down with the executive leadership of the NFL and saying, this needs to change. We don't like the way that this was dealt with. We don't feel like our our needs and our voice is being represented and something needs to happen. So I feel as though, again, we're moving in the right direction. Whether some make the argument that there's the monetary incentive for them to align with the interests of the players or the backlash or the decline in viewership, or just overall engagement and performances, regardless of the circumstances that make them have to do these types of things, they're happening. And as it currently exists, the NFL is a $15 billion organization. It's going to continue to get viewership and engagement. It's going to continue the 100 million fans across the country. So regardless of the reasons or the means in which they start to make progress, I think that we can celebrate the fact that we are and can push them in the direction of aligning more with the interests of, first and foremost, the players, but also speaking about things um, that are impacting our society as a whole.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show, Khalil. I really do appreciate it. Um, Just so you know, you are one of my first guests. This is the first episode that I've had any guests on. So I do thank you for your support and for your input. Thanks, bro. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Just to be very clear, I think it's great that the NFL is doing something in regards to social injustice, that they are allocating dollars toward, you know, social justice issues in some way. But I think it's absolute bullshit that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. And I think it's bullshit that they're doing this after, you know, of course they're doing this after, you know, they want to keep a facade. They want to act like there's meaningful action happening. But at the end of the day, as Mike Freeman from The Bleacher Report uh, said, just to be clear, no Jay-Z, no Robert Kraft and McMill, no Players Coalition, no amount of money can erase the fact that the NFL punished Kaepernick for speaking out on behalf of people of color and continues to ban him. Y'all can throw whatever the fuck dollar amount y'all want. At the end of the day, y'all drag this man, and it's not even just about banning him. It's about making an example of him. This man had to go to court to prove... Y'all were doing this. And he had evidence. At the end of the day, he settled. God only knows why he settled. He knows why he settled, but he can't talk about it. That's one of the key points of the settlement. But the fact that they made him an example so that all other... That's the shit that they used to do back on the fucking plantations. Whip the shit out of somebody. You know what I'm mean? Oh, somebody wanted to start a revolt? Okay, great. We're going to the... lynch them and we're going to burn them in front of you so you... all y'all motherfuckers seen all y'all motherfuckers can see what it is and what's coming to you if you try that shit here. now now, here, now try it oh you're not gonna do it now? oh you're not gonna, oh okay yeah, yeah, that's what I thought there was a message that a pastor had where they were talking about how it only just takes, the devil just wants to remove you from your purpose and all it takes is one time of you getting hurt to go ahead and decide you won't move you won't act like that again
4: the enemy does this in our life, he takes a moment where there was real pain real hurt a real struggle and what he does is he wants you to 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 hit this moment and to feel the pain and to experience because what he knows is if he can just make you feel it and, and it really hurt one time that's all he needs here's what any good bully knows and i'm not encouraging or condoning bullying but a bully knows you only have to hit the person hard one time because after you hit them hard once your only job is to remind them of what happened the first time And that's what the enemy does. He just reminds you. Hey, remember what happened last time you trusted somebody? Remember the last time you stepped out in faith?
0: That's what the fuck the NFL did. The NFL tried it. Shout out to Kaepernick. You know, he's getting his endorsement money. He's getting, you know, all these other brands or whatever, trying to align with him. He got his little Nike deal and whatever. But at the end of the day, that's not sustainable. The man needs money. You know what I'm saying? What happens when those funds dry up? The man still doesn't have a job and the NFL gets to, you know, prance around with Jay-Z. And I love Jay-Z. Don't get me wrong. I love Jay-Z. Jay-Z's cool. But this is what I mean when I say that there is no ethical consumption under, under capitalism. At the end of the day, it will not be Jay-Z. It will not be a billionaire who's going to lead the revolution. Because the revolution requires radical change. And it, it, and that's not going to be—it's that's it's just not. It's not going to be led by billionaires holding hands. Right now we got, you know— a lot of people on social media right now are talking about how the Amazon is burning and isn't burning apparently for three weeks and niggas is just not finding out about that shit because the news wasn't reporting on it. The news is reporting on it now only because there's been a social media push. Shout out to everybody on fucking social media, on on Twitter and IG, making that shit happen. But, you know, this this is all this this fire is not a natural, you know, wildfire. This is a fire that's been started by farmers and it's been pushed by, um, you know, it's basically supported by by a Brazilian president by excuse me, a Brazilian fascist president uh, Bolsonaro who, you know, denies climate change. This guy's a climate change denier. And he supports farmers having more land. Basically, this motherfucker's selling out his country to, you know, fucking corporations, to multinational, multibillion-dollar corporations. And it's like, for what? So y'all can make some change? Well, guess what happened? Y'all gonna have all this money. Where the fuck y'all gonna spend it if we don't have a fucking planet to spend it on? Are you fucking dumb? Stupid! Like, literally, like, like 20%... Of, of the Earth's natural drinking water comes from the Amazon. Not to mention the Amazon is a fucking carbon sink. You know, all these trees holding all this carbon. That shit goes up in flames. Guess what the fuck the carbon's released to, bitch? The fucking air. Are you serious? All these trees that are out here producing oxygen. Just kidding, they're burning up. So it's like we're literally ruining the fucking planet for the sake of dollars that are gonna be spent by very few people. And at the end of the day, none of us gonna fucking have a planet to live on, bitch. Because y'all out here wildin'. So, you know, capitalism operates under the, the 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 assumption that resources are infinite, but we fucking know that they're not. We know that resources are not infinite. As a matter of fact, they're fucking finite. So, you know, anyway, at the end of the day, it ain't going to be a billionaire to save us. You know, everybody's making the comp- comparison between this situation and um, what's it called? And the fucking Notre Dame Cathedral, you know, the the shit, the building goes up in flames and everybody's crying. And, oh, the not- oh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Bitch, I don't give a fuck. Listen, you think God cares about that fucking building more than he cares about this planet? Are y'all fucking tripping? But nah, it's not even about God. Like y'all don't give a fuck about God either. Matter of fact, so no, like all these billionaires come out the woodwork to, oh, we will pledge this many, this much money, this many millions, you know, or whatever to to, to rebuild. And everybody's out here, I can like niggas set up a GoFundMe or some shit. And but nah, the, the all y'all come out the woodwork to support Notre Dame. And um, fucking nobody's donating, nobody's talking, nobody's trying to press the Brazilian fascist president who is much like Donald Trump, let me tell you. Nobody's pressing this nigga to, you know, do something about it. Out here, not only just stealing land and and burning, et cetera, et cetera, and having an environmental catastrophe, they're indigenous people who are losing their fucking homes. This nigga literally wants to—this is fucking genocide that's happening also this motherfucker's out here trying to destroy indigenous communities so you know we can say as much, people love to say oh if I were alive in this time bitch the time is now you know what can we do I don't fucking know what we can do I feel like I'm in a position where I'm like well fuck like I don't particularly feel like I have much power but bitch at the very least be fucking aware of what's going on instead of turning a fucking blind eye let's hold niggas accountable we gotta we child, we gotta figure out how to hold niggas accountable cause these niggas finna kill us <laughs> All right, all right. I wanted to thank you guys again for tuning in to episode four of PSA Papi. Thanks for, you know, supporting me and everything that I do. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Again, you don't need an Apple Music subscription to listen to podcasts on the podcast app. That shit is free. It came on your phone already. And if you don't have it, it's because you deleted it. So go back and get that hoe. Also, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, go ahead, scroll down and give me a nice little rating. Uh, Y'all know I ain't nothing less than five stars, bitch. And, um, nah, thanks again. Uh, I want to thank again my guests, Khalil Keys, Nyla Wissa, and Leo Chiquillo for stopping by. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate your support and your input. And, yeah, onward and forward. Let's get on with, um, episode five. Coming soon. To a theater near you. Oh, fuck. I, dude, what happened to the guy who, who that the, used to do the voiceovers? Yeah, I think he died, too. Mm, R.I.P. Bye, guys!